This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. My name is Dustin Gold, right here on Payne.tv slash gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard, episode 154, part three. All right, folks, let's go back to IBM, because I, re- I want to get through this and get to the data centers, but this was important because uh, I was doing some research on this last night. Maggie's always saying, what are you doing up? We have to go to bed. I'm like, I'm working. I'm doing research for tomorrow's show. What happens is I do research, then it piles up, and I'm like, I got to jam this in before we continue with the data centers, you know, or whatever topic I'm supposed to cover. And then I keep covering more stuff and more stuff. But this is important because I don't see a lot of folks doing this. I don't see folks breaking down the anatomy of these smart cities. I mean, we could talk about them, but let's try to dissect this and figure out what these folks are actually doing. All right, so it says here, uh, transformation. As part of a broader big data initiative, JSC, that's Jakarta Smart City, has built a central platform that gathers feedback from mobile and social media channels and maps it against other data to identify problem hotspots. Again, they're spying, folks. The results... Uh, They have empowers, engages, and proves. So empowers government agencies with the data they need to make optimal policy decisions. All right, so that's for the government there. Empowers government agencies with the data they need to imprison you. Uh, engages engages citizens by enabling faster responses to feedback and increasing transparency so this is how they're going to engage the citizens by enabling faster responses why don't you just answer the phone when i call to find out how to get my permit to build my shed and finally proves proves the value of a central big data platform as a hub for smarter government services. Smarter government services would be no government services, but uh, in their mind, it means more government services. So it proves the value of a central big data platform as a hub for more government services. It says business challenge story, building citizen-focused public services which I don't know what citizen-focused public services are. Aren't all public services supposed to be citizen-focused? It says, as the Internet of Things becomes an increasingly fundamental technology for effective government, right, because government is not effective, it's never been effective, but Internet of Things will now make it effective. And the Internet of Things is more devices, more data sensors, more 5G replicators. We need these things out there now to make government efficient. So if the government has more tech demand it's definitely going to be more efficient how about you shrink the size of government down to almost nothing that would be efficient 
It says cities are embedding sensors in everything from buses and garbage trucks to water systems and public buildings. I told you, the sensors are going everywhere. By analyzing data from these sensors, modern cities will be able to design smarter public services, make wiser policy decisions, and manage day-to-day operations much more efficiently. You see... That's the buy-in, folks. Let us put up the Truman Show technology everywhere, and we will manage everything better for you. We promise. We know we've done a horrible job for the last 100 years, but it will be better if we can just monitor everything down to your garbage pail. It goes on to say, yet even without any investment in sensor networks, today's cities already contain millions of the most intelligent and versatile sensors that have ever existed. Human beings. (laughs) So we're sensors for the system. Remember, years ago, over 100 years ago, Technocracy Incorporated, the major movement, deemed us to be human engines. Now we're human sensors for these folks. We're walking around everywhere. We are the human censors. Uh, It says a public-spirited citizen with a smartphone is an incredibly valuable source of data for government agencies because they will provide accurate feedback on the status of the city systems in real time. So you get to walk around as a Ken Karen brown shirt and report things for the city. I guess this is an act of government, folks. They say if you're not active in your government, then it's not a government of by and for the people. So apparently they are returning us to the founding principles. These technocrats are just wonderful people. It goes on to say the only problem is collecting and analyzing the data fast enough. In Jakarta, a district of 10 million people is divided into five cities, 44 sub-districts, and 267 villages. So don't worry, all that's smart. So the sub-districts there, those are the 15-minute cities. goes on to say the city government receives an average of 1,400 messages per day via its custom-built Clue mobile app, that's a Q-L-U-E mobile app, which allows users to submit feedback about public services. On top of this, citizens send an average of 130 SMS messages per day to the governor's mobile phone and many more via other channels such as email and Twitter. All right, so you've got 10 million, it's actually 10,500,000 people living inside the main part of Jakarta. And they're only getting 1,400 messages on their app, uh, 130 text messages to the governor, and then some social media messages. (laughs) So there's not much engagement there from the citizens. Maybe they want to be left alone. On top of it, how do we know out of the 1,400, the 130, let's say a total of 2,000 messages the city's getting out of 10.5 million people, right? Those aren't just bots telling uh, the city what they want them to hear. The city wants you to install more 5G replicators. Okay, that's what the citizens told us they want. It goes on to say, DeRoy Paulus, head of data and analytics at Jakarta Smart City, a management unit under the Communication Informatics and Statistics Division of the Jakarta Provincial Government, explains, quote, it's important to listen. 
and be transparent when citizens send feedback about public services. But in a city as large as Jakarta, the sheer number of messages makes it impossible to respond fast enough if you are handling every message manually. We wanted to find a way to process feedback more quickly and analyze and prioritize the most important issues. All right, so... 2,000 people, a small minority, apparently 2,000, and some of them could have been doubled up. It could have been the same three annoying Kens and Karens are sending messages. So the city now has to build out this whole system in cooperation with IBM to be able to monitor this because the humans are out there and they are the sensors and they're telling government how to operate more efficiently. So if we've got 14 on, uh, 1,400 of us together in Jakarta and we're writing, close the government, we don't want it anymore, get rid of it, they're going to respond to us what are they going to do folks well the censors are telling us to shut the government down we're going to do that it goes on to say quote at the same time we knew that this was just one of many projects that will involve big data analytics so we decided to build a general purpose big data platform that we could use to capture store and analyze huge volumes of data for any use case end quote you see that folks So you create the buy-in there that it's all about listening to the citizens and analyzing the 2,000 messages across various medium uh, to better serve the public. But then they use that as an excuse to build out a general purpose big data platform that they can use to capture, store, and analyze huge volumes of data for any use case. That's how they're going to run the smart prison planet. The deeper we go into this, folks, the more I'm starting to believe uh, they are building out what is going to be the full-blown prison planet. Where it goes, how it's going to work, what the end vision is, I haven't gotten to that yet. Uh, I have an idea in my head that they're trying to build this worldwide casino inside of their big biodome called Earth, and they want to control everything. Uh, Because I know it's not about providing better services to the folks. I know that's not the case. Uh, I know it's not about providing a smart city portal for you to have a more streamlined interaction with your government at various levels. That's, That's not what it's about because government doesn't love you. All government wants to do is govern you, control you, own you, tell you what to do. There's a quote in here, quote, IBM was one of the few vendors that could answer all our questions and had a truly comprehensive vision, end quote. That's Dear Roy Paulus, head of data and analytics at Jakarta Smart City. Well, of course. Did they look at IBM's resume? Did they look at what IBM was doing? Uh, How they were helping the Nazis run the concentration camps and the ghettos? They probably saw that on the resume. They go, hey, that's exactly what we're trying to do here in Jakarta. Call up these guys. They're fantastic. Goes on to say, transformation story. Good government built on good data governance. Jakarta Smart City knew that it needed a platform that could handle every aspect of big data collection, management, and analytics. This is what I've been explaining to you. They have to collect the data. They have to store the data, house the data, process the data, then analyze the data, and then put the data to use uh, for whatever the end goal is or whatever project they're working on. All right, this is why I broke down how much data is created, uh, the cloud system, and then we're getting into the data centers, how it's all housed. I'm showing you the anatomy. 
all right, of the actual technocracy, how this works, how the smart planet works. It goes on to say it needs to be able to ingest a huge variety of different types of data, everything from unstructured text on social media to JSON data from the web and relational data from traditional database systems. It also needs to deal with cultural change, as some government departments are only just beginning to move from paper-based processes to digital workflows. All right, and we could eventually get into this. I'll explain um, unstructured text, JSON data, and web and relational data from traditional database systems. This is just how data is stored, where the data is gathered, how it's processed. So it's coming in just from all different places, all right? So just pretend you have in your office, let's go to a paper office, you're going to have data that's stored in file folders in a filing cabinet. If you work in a law office, you're going to have a bunch of data in the form of documents documents pile up on the lawyer's desk, you know, that he hasn't actually processed yet. You have stuff coming in from the mail, right? If you're doing uh, legal work for the government, you might have documents coming in from the mail. You have data coming in from your email. You might have clients sending you stuff on text message. Maybe some clients are uploading some documents to your website or to a third-party software provider, you know, software as a service that you use. So your client goes on there, they fill out a form, they upload some documents. So you have data coming in from 10, 12, 15 different places. Well, how are you going to collect all that data and then load it into one server, one big data system, and then be able to process and analyze all of that data. This is very important because this is going to play into what we're going to talk about with the data servers. And as we work our way back to chat GPT, I'm going to show you how that advanced search system digs down inside of these databases. This is what it's about. And I I thought this was really important here, a real world case to show you what IBM was working on for Jakarta Smart City, for them to be able to process all of the data sensors, all these new sensors they're installing all around the city, how they collect that data, how they're going to process the data, how they store the data. The big question is, what are they actually going to do with the data, folks. We'll talk about that when I get back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to me, Dustin Gold. And I appreciate it very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. Gear up for this big call-in show, folks. It's going to be fantastic. All right, we're back here at IBM.com. We're looking at the case study here on Jakarta Smart City. It goes on to say, quote, data governance is very important, end quote, says uh, DeRoy Apollos. This is the guy head of innovation there in Jakarta. Quote, the danger with any analytics project is that if you put garbage in, you will get garbage out. And this is especially difficult to guard against when the data sets are so large, end quote. Very important there. Some of you are starting to see that 
quote go around uh, on Twitter. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and, and I was going to explain this with chat GPT, which I will show you that. All right. Advanced search. All right. Or you can call it artificial intelligence is digging down inside of data sets to pull out the information it needs. All right, so whether it's some sort of a software system designed for the purpose of pulling out, you know, analytics. Let's say when I go over to Megaphone, where I upload my podcast and it syndicates it out to Apple, Android, iHeartRadio, etc., I'm able to go on the back end and I can look at the analytics, right? I can see where you guys are listening from. So it'll show me how many people in different countries in Europe. It'll show me uh, what percentage of folks are listening in the United States. It'll show me if you're listening on Apple or Android or iHeart or whatever it may be. But if the data, right, on the back end that goes into the database is wrong, then the analytics software, you know, run by AI or call it algorithms, formulas, calculations, is pulling out the wrong data. If you're interacting with Google, right, you can pull up a website, click on it. You think you're looking at the history of a zebra, but if it says a zebra is a uh, home pet with long floppy ears and a uh, squishy little nose, right, and it's giving you the description of a dog, then that information, it was wrong. So if chat GPT, let's say you asked it a question, what is two plus two equal? And it has a data set in there, you know, it has all these math uh, formulas and it pulls up two plus two equals five because the data set that went in was wrong. That's garbage in. So chat GPT is going to pull garbage back out. You could talk to someone, a real person, a human that you think is an expert in roofing. But it turns out the guy's a hack, but he talks really smooth, you know, real fast talker. And he's telling you how he's going to do the shingles on your roof. You believe him, but all the information is wrong because he doesn't really know, right? He took garbage information in, he spits garbage information back out. But you walk around thinking you know now the right way to do your roof because this guy told you you thought he was an expert. The same goes for these AI chatbots. The same goes for analytics. The same goes for books. The same goes for everything else. You know, if you don't have a trusted source, the information you pull back out could be garbage. This guy, Dearoy, goes on to say, quote, we looked at the Gardner Magic Quadrant and asked several leading companies to show us their products. IBM was one of the few vendors that could answer all of our questions and had a truly comprehensive vision embracing big data collection, data warehousing, advanced analytics, and governance. End quote. And so we showed you already how much data is being collected. Uh, we got into cloud, which is part of the warehousing. We're going to show you more of that with the data centers shortly. And then the advanced analytics, that's what we're going to show you through the chat GPT. We're going to talk about some other analytics that are run. And then the governance he's talking about is, you know, how they're going to manage the whole system. Goes on to say, IBM Global Business Services helped the Jakarta Smart City team design a solution that would provide a big data hub for integrating information from the citizen feedback app and social networks, as well as government services such as transportation, healthcare, water distribution, and other departments. Again, so now they've tied in all this other stuff besides just the two 
2,000 messages a day they get from the 10.5 million folks in Jakarta. Goes on to say the solution uses IBM Infosphere data stage to extract, transform, and load data from all these sources into a central data lake built on IBM Big Insights and a powerful data warehouse which runs on IBM Pure Data System for analytics. IBM Infosphere Information Governance Catalog provides a robust data governance framework, making it easier to align the technical systems with the business requirements and processes. As analysis tools, the solution provides IBM Cognos Analytics for reporting and dashboarding IBM SPSS Modeler for advanced analytics and predictive modeling, and IBM Text Analytics for categorization and sentiment analysis of unstructured text. Now, just right there, look at all these different pieces of software and systems within IBM to collect this data, process this data, analyze the data, and govern govern the data, excuse me, inside of Jakarta Smart City. This is just one vendor they're dealing with, folks. All right? Then you have all of the so-called data sensors all over Jakarta from sensors that go on buses, that go on the toilets, that go on the sewer lines, the water lines, the garbage trucks, everything else, right? So there's all these vendors, all this software, all this hardware that then has to collect back. And in this case, they're supposedly using IBM to collect and to process and to analyze and to govern all that data, right? So IBM has full and total access to everything that's being picked up inside the smart city of Jakarta. Let's continue. It says, quote, we are taking our first steps with many of these technologies and the guidance and training we have received from IBM has been very valuable. End quote, says Deary Paulus. Quote, we are very keen to learn and share our knowledge with other government organizations, both within Indonesia and internationally. End quote. All right. Remember, uh, I think we watched a, it might have been an international monetary fund discussion with the head of the central bank from Indonesia, who is working on central bank digital currency there. So see, this is all happening together. So you've got the test case here of Jakarta becoming the smart city and all this data, you know, being collected and now processed and run by IBM. IBM who worked with the Nazis (laughs) to do the exact same thing. Now, I want to point this out because it's very important. Uh, As we brought up earlier, what is the purpose of this? Is it a grift? No. They're putting up all of this technology, all of the sensors, all the data collection traps, building out the warehousing infrastructures for the data to be able to process it, to be able to analyze it, and then use it for whatever it is they're going to use it for. Well, if you go back 100 years ago, this is why it's important to understand the history of the technocracy. We looked at everything being developed by Howard Scott, the head of Technocracy Incorporated, and the precursors to that organization, all operating out of Columbia University, where, by the way, IBM, 
uh, had a big office there, a big think tank inside of Columbia University at the same time that FDR's brain trust that came up with the New Deal, which was the foundation for launching the technocracy in the United States, all located out of Columbia University. Well, technocracy wanted to measure all of the energy that was being used to create all of the services and all of the products that you have access to. And remember, the folks were going to be given an allotment of energy certificates, they called them. In today's world, we called them carbon credits. And we think that central bank digital currency will be tied to the carbon credit system. Right. So back then, what they wanted to do was assign an energy value to everything. They would take the total amount of energy being consumed to produce all the services and the goods, and then they divide that up by the number of citizens living within the technate, which was the, the physical geographical area of the technocracy. In their case, it would run from the Panama Canal up to the North Pole, but let's just say the United States. So let's say it was a, a thousand energy tokens being used. Then they would divide that up by the citizens, and each citizen would get an equal share of the energy tokens to spend. You can't save those, trade them, transfer them, uh, leave them to anyone. You can't build wealth with them. And that's how the system would work. My guess is the infrastructure that you're seeing built is to run a system like that. This is going to be tied into the central bank digital currency. That there is the, the grift here may be that they're allowing the buy-in, they're allowing the money to spread around, just like in the climate grift, to get all the worker bees, me and you, to build out these systems for them, to install the fiber cables, to install the 5G replicator panels, to put up the smart poles, to attach all the data sensors, to manufacture these things, to build the systems like IBM is doing. But in the end, this is the actual prison planet technology. This this is the technocracy energy certificate program being built all around us. To me, that actually makes sense. And you wouldn't understand it unless you did all the research and you broke it down. And my opinions and analysis on this may change as we go forward, as I gather more information, intelligence, and I use my human brain, you know, my smart computer inside my head to put all the parts together, connect all these dots and figure out what it is that these folks are doing and why certain parts of what they're selling to the public and what they're actually building don't make sense. I've had numerous conversations with Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays about this. And what she keeps bringing up and others keep bringing up is that the technology that we're interacting with, even supposedly the new stuff, the 5G, doesn't seem to work, right? So cell calls still drop. Uh, Maria drives around town. I think she has Frontier or something for her phone. 90% of the time, she can't access the internet on her phone. She can't listen to podcasts and other things because the, the signal's always going down. Here in Frederick, Maryland, very highly congested area. If you have AT&T and Verizon, sometimes AT&T doesn't work. Sometimes Verizon doesn't work. When I was in the corporate entertainment industry and I traveled all the time, I needed to have access to my phone and be able to contact customers at all times. And if I was going into a place like Las Vegas, where I knew cell service was spotty in different buildings, and I had five comedians coming in, and I knew they were trying to contact me, something's wrong at the airport, they lost their luggage. So I carried around an AT&T and a Verizon phone. 
right? Because I needed to make sure I was connected at all times. I have done live production uh, with Douglas Dakota, who I used to produce for, where he was going into Virginia to film the Virginia gun rally a couple of years ago. I rented a device where I was able to put a T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon, and um, a sprint chip in and it would bond all the different signals to create a high enough signal that we could broadcast even if one of those cell company service was weak so what maria has been saying to me is we're seeing the technology not really working stuff seems to be breaking we're not getting cell service we're seeing identity theft we're seeing money being stolen and i've said well maybe that's on purpose maybe that is because they want this third industrial era technology the technology yesteryear to break so that then they could go aha we have a new solution the fourth industrial era technology and move us into that or folks what i'm really starting to believe and i've said it maybe on this show but i've been talking about it for a couple of years and i'm slowly being pulled back into it maybe what's really going on is that the technology that we are interacting with is not the technology that all the worker bees are running around and installing on behalf of the technocrats maybe all the 5g replicator panels that we're seeing appear all over the cities maybe all the smart poles with the 5g replicators we're seeing appear in cities and suburbs now maybe all that stuff is providing them the network they need to run the internet of things the data sensors the data collection if they're collecting you know, energy readings on everything because they're building this 100-year-old technocratic system blueprint, that could possibly be what's going on. And all the technology and the services and the collapsing of customer service that we're experiencing is because they don't really care about what we have to deal with. We are not interfacing with the technological prison that they are building around us. That is designed eventually to control us and corral us and imprison us and enslave us. It's not designed to provide us with better services. So I know folks are sitting there thinking, well, if I'm going to get access to a smart city app or I have to connect up to the city, that has to work. Well, maybe that's the trick. Maybe you're never going to connect up to that system. Maybe that's what this is all about. They are literally building this whole system around us, launching Starlink satellites and everything else because they're putting the prison planet together, but you're not interacting with that level of technology. That is to run the Internet of Things, the devices, the sensors, the monitors, the cameras, the facial scans, the license plate readers. That's not for you to interact with. In the end, who knows? Maybe we won't have Internet. They don't need us to connect back and forth with the system if they're able to control us within the system. This is where I'm going with this uh, over the next couple of shows because... It's starting to become more and more clear to me as I'm reading more of this information. And there's so many articles and websites like IBM that I find with just tons of stuff. I bookmark it, and I'm not going to ever get to cover it on the show because it's just too much to talk about and analyze. When we get back, let's try to finish up this IBM piece because I want to show you what's coming out of Jakarta Smart City and what this front-facing Smart City portal looks like. Uh, hint, folks, it's non-existent. I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. 
You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 